Good evening. It's louder than I was expecting. That's all right. Um, I'm going to sort of set this right here, and I will be moving about a lot because I'm not one to sort of stand still when I'm speaking. I like to be able to move and look at everybody and see everybody. Um, thank you all for having me here tonight. Uh, it is a pleasure. Uh, I enjoy speaking on this topic, uh, but you all are probably really wondering who in the world is this guy. Um, my name is Chris Riddle. Uh, I have lived here in the Valley for most of my life. I was born and raised in Weir's Cave, Virginia, went to Fort Defiance High School. Um, I have been married to my wonderful wife, Melody. She's the only one with a laptop tonight. Um, yes, we're talking on technology. Um, for this year will be 24 years uh, in August. So uh, we've been around a while together. Uh, we have three children, uh, Micah, who is 19, Adam, who will be 17 this coming Thursday, and then Isaiah, who is our 14-year-old. Uh, from 2007 until 2015, we were missionaries in Italy uh, with Virginia Mennonite Missions, uh, served in the city of Bari. Uh, which is, Italy looks like a boot, right? If you look at right where the heel meets the boot, that's where we were in the city of Bari in Italy. Um, I am an ordained pastor within Mennonite Church USA, uh, but I am also a brick and block mason, and that's what pays the bills. So um, I don't know how many of you know Bob and Laura Carr that live right here beside the <laughs> church grounds. I worked for him, learned masonry from him. So uh, we have some connections here in Mount Clinton. A um, little over two years ago, uh, I went to a presentation by Brad Huddleston on technology and what it's doing, and Brad travels all over the world speaking on this topic. And so I got his book, which one is it? It's right here. Uh, I got his book, and that was the first book that I read. It's called Digital Cocaine. And you might think, why do you call it digital cocaine? By the end of the evening, I hope you'll understand a little bit more about that. Um, but this is the book that really got me hooked on the topic, and I have been reading ever since. On the table are books that I have read, uh, looked through in between the sessions and after the sessions tonight. If you'd like to come up and look at these, please don't take them. They're mine. And I have them all marked up and I still reference them a lot. Um, but feel free to look at them, uh, write down titles, that type of thing. Um, and why? Why am I interested in this? Uh, I am 47 years old and I was born into the first of the video game eras, the first computers. I still remember in high school getting the Apple IIe, uh, which had a total of 64 kilobytes of memory in it. And so now this phone, I think it has 256 gigabytes of memory, dwarfs it. So I, I've grown up through this technological slope that has happened and it continues to uh, go at a steeper and steeper angle. So I've had my own negative experiences with technology, okay? And I am trying very hard in my own life to balance my use, to be aware of my use, so that my kids and your kids and the church's kids and any kids that'll listen, any parents that'll listen, can understand this topic better and have a better balanced life with technology. <coughs> Tonight, this first session, we're going to be looking at mostly what technology is doing to us on an individual level, okay, and how it affects different relationships. Uh, later, like James said, we're going to be looking at families and how we can work together within the family, within the church within our culture to help each other balance our life with technology. I want to start with scripture tonight. 1 Corinthians 6. Nope, this is 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 23. I don't think that's right. This is 
This is 10, 23 to 24, I believe. I have the right to do anything because 6, 19 to 20 is your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I have the wrong reference up there, but I have the right scripture. Uh, this is 10, 23 and 24. Uh, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Okay? We as Christians, okay, we have a right to use any new technology that comes out. We have this ability to harness what is being presented and use it. But one of the things that we have to remember is, is it good for us? What is it doing to us? And is it constructive for us? Or is it something that will dominate us? Another, there's another translation of this passage that says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be dominated by it. And I think that is one of the things that we really need to focus on. Are we being dominated by the technology that is being presented to us today? I want all of you to know that I am not anti-technology, okay? I love technology. The fork is a piece of technology, and it helps me eat my dinner. I like that. How many of you like forks? You're using technology. There we go, okay? Um, and when we combine different types of technology, they help us be more productive. When we put new technology with older technology, it helps us be more productive, it happens, and that is something that we see with the digital technology. But I'm not anti-technology. <laughs> my wife is using my computer to project so you all can see things, make it visual for those of us who are visual learners, okay? I do have my own cell phone. Um, it is a smartphone. It gets no reception here in this area because of the network I'm on, which is great for me. Um, I won't get any phone calls during this, this presentation. But I'm not anti-technology. I am for a balance in how we use technology. Okay. So what are we looking for? And, and you've heard me say it a couple of times. We're looking for balance. We're looking for first awareness. Okay. And then the balance. Much of what you all will be hearing tonight, I have already presented in an 11-hour Sunday school lesson at my home church, Harrisonburg Mennonite Church, okay? Did this over the entire spring quarter, and it took 11 hours to present. So I'm boiling it all down into an hour and a half tonight. So if I'm talking a lot, if I'm talking too fast, raise your hand. I'll try to slow down. Um, but... It's a lot of information to present in a very short, compact period of time, okay? Okay, the first thing that we are looking at and what we need to do is become aware. Number one is aware of our own use. How much are we interacting with digital technology, okay? When I speak about technology tonight, it is talking about digital screen technology, okay? Um, when you all took the survey, many of you took the survey that I sent out, uh, we're talking, when I say digital screen technology, I'm talking about cell phones, smartphones, uh, laptop computers, desktop computers, uh, iPads, Kindles, um, iPhones, iPads, iPods, that's the other thing that I was looking for. I knew there was another I in there somewhere. Um, all of those, TVs, okay? All of that is now digital screen technology because many of, even just the TVs of today, you can wave your hand or make hand gestures and change the channel. They're called smart TVs. Um, don't know how smart a TV can be. Um, anyway, so we're looking at our own use of the digital screen technology uh, and how much we use it, okay? Okay, next. Uh, we also want to be aware of what technology does to us because whether we like it or not, 
the technology that we use does change us. Okay? It does change us. And this particular technology is invading our lives and our private lives and our family lives more so than any technology that we've ever seen before in our, our, our history. Um, but technology can also change us emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Okay, And that is something that we want to become aware of. And then thirdly, we want to look at what technology, this digital technology, is made to do. There is a specific design behind it to keep us attached to it, and that's something that we need to be aware of. Okay? Okay? After we become aware, we want to set up healthy boundaries of our use on, of digital technology. And so that's that balance. Okay? Um, we want to balance and set up boundaries for ourselves individually, our families, and also the congregations that we are a part of. The church needs to be a part of this conversation. And in talking to a friend of mine up in Philadelphia who works with the church, the greater church in the United States, his statement was, it's interesting that the secular society is beginning to address this, and yet the church is way behind. He's talked to youth pastors about getting ahead of this and talking to youth about technology use. And he says the programs that they make are use more technology. And he's just blown away. So the church needs to be a part of the discussion. June 29th, 2007, a day that will live in infamy, um, the first iPhone is released. How many of you remember that? How many of you were not born at that time? Uh, this is a very young congregation that I'm seeing here. Um, yes, June 29th, 2007, the first iPhone is released. First smartphone, the smartphone era begins. Uh, and there are people who think that was the greatest day in all of history. We've got this information piece of technology that we can use in all aspects of our lives. Uh, today, with a smartphone, it is possible to have TV, radio, movies, work, family, all in the palm of your hand. Or as some people have said, it's... It, you're capable of having a party in your pocket. Just like that. And you've got everything tied right to you. What we want to look at are what are some of the promises of this technology for our lives. Okay? Because when this technology was released, there were a lot of promises that were made. Okay? And one of those is it would bring families together, okay? Now, there are a lot of positives to technology. When we were missionaries over in Italy, we were able to sit at our computer with our kids and talk to her parents, my parents, brothers, sisters, a lot of really good things like that. There are kids that go off to college and parents are able to communicate easily with their children. Uh, Families at a distance, it's great. Um, so it does draw fam keep families connected in that way. But there are also negative impacts. Yeah, we're clicking now. Uh, many times we'll see that each family member in the evening at the house is not talking and communicating amongst themselves amongst the family, but they're sitting there and one might be on a cell phone, one might be on a computer, one might be in the room uh, on a video game or whatever. And instead of being together, they are literally alone together. They're each in their own little world and yet they are together, but they're not paying attention to the people that are close to them. Um, and you see this, if you ever go out to restaurants a lot of times you'll see families sitting at the table and all four of the family members are around the table and they're all like this. 
and they never communicate with the people that are closest to them, but they're communicating with those people at a distance. Um, the average high schooler today, anyone want to guess how many hours the average high schooler is on screens today per day? Six hours, higher, nine hours. This does not include the amount of time they are on screens in school. This is for entertainment purposes only. Nine hours a day is the average high schooler in today's culture. Mel and I have talked to many parents, number of parents, about how their children come home from school in the afternoon and they go to their rooms, they, don't, they might see them at dinner, but many times they don't see them at all that evening because they're on their screens in their bedroom. And so the promises are to draw the family together. And yet a lot of the data that we're starting to see is that families are being pulled apart. That we will be more productive, okay? There are a lot of positives in this. Um, I used Microsoft PowerPoint to create this. I use Microsoft Word to write. Um, there are programs out there for designing uh, buildings, cars, all sorts of different technologies. Um, it, there's a lot of good. Doing taxes. I do my own taxes on a computer program, which makes me more productive and it saves me some money because I don't have to necessarily pay an accountant to do my taxes. Okay? So there are a lot of different programs out there, email to uh, share information with, okay? There's a lot out there that makes us more productive with the digital technology, but there are also negatives. Um, one of those is that we are massively overworked today in many, many places in this culture because with this... You're constantly tied to your work. Emails come in. Phone calls come in when you're off on vacation. Hey, how do you do this at work? Well, I'm on vacation. Yeah, but I need to know. Uh, that type of thing. And so it is not necessarily possible for us to separate ourselves from our work anymore. And this is causing stress levels to increase, especially within the family. Obligated to respond to those coworkers because we have this technology that makes it uh, capable for us to do so. The other thing is multitasking. How many of you have ever heard of multitasking? Okay. How many of you think you can multitask? Raise your hand. Okay, we've got some multitaskers. Great. It is it is impossible to multitask. Okay. I can stand here and talk and walk, okay? But most of what I am doing is being controlled by a part of my brain that controls involuntary movements, okay? I stand up because my brain keeps me up, using the inner ear and all that kind of good stuff, okay? But when you multitask, the definition of multitasking is to concentrate on two different tasks at the same time with the same energy and be able to store all the information from those two tasks. Would you want to read both of the, or pick the book, you read one page and I'll read another out of this, and you would have to tell me what I read and what you read. That would be true multitasking. I'm not, hope you don't mind me picking on you. I just saw your hand go up. Um, I, I pick on a lot of people, ask my kids. Um, so we cannot concentrate on two things at one time, okay? We can't concentrate. And yet today in many, many households, uh, kids are trying to do their homework, okay? While they're listening to music, they may have three or four text messages conversations going on at the same time, messaging on Facebook or whatever. They've got a video going and they're trying to play a game and browse the internet. I've seen interviews with, with 
teenagers and college students who say, I've got seven or eight windows up on the computer all while I'm trying to do my homework. That's incredible. Okay? This is what we're doing. And when you try to multitask, you become 40% less efficient at whatever you're doing. So multitasking is a myth that we really need to change the title of that to task switching. Anyway, the other promise is you will be happier. Yay, I have a computer, I'm happy. Yay, I have social media, I'm happy. Uh, But what is the reality that we are facing today? Anxiety and depression rates are at an all-time high. Um, Between 2012 and 2015, uh, depression among boys, I believe this is ages 15 to 19, rose uh, 21%. Depression levels among girls, 50%. Uh, Between 2009 and 2016, every year there is a massive survey done uh, of entering college freshmen, and they survey thousands of them across the country. Um, Between 2009 and 2016, uh, the the way they rated their own emotional health, okay, uh, they said it was below average 18% more. Okay, 18% more people in this seven-year period said their emotional health was below average. The people feeling depressed almost doubled. 95% more people said they were reporting that they were depressed. Okay? Um, Just people reporting that they're less happy Okay, just less happy with life rose since 2012. Okay, and the one that really needs to sit up and take notice is between 2007 and 2015, uh, the suicide numbers in this country are rising at an alarming rate. Um, Those between the ages of 15 and 19, the suicide rate in an eight-year period rose 46%. Uh, and that's 15 to 19-year-olds. 12 to 14-year-olds, the suicide rate has gone up over 250% in an eight-year period. Uh, girls rose 300%, boys rose 200%. So you get the 250 there. Okay? A lot of this... What I want you to notice is notice the dates that I was just giving. Okay, between 2009 and 2016, between 2007 and 2015, 2012, 2015. What is a common denominator that they all have? They all happened after the introduction of the iPhone. It is the one common denominator that all of these rates have, all of these statistics have, is they all happen after the advent of the smartphone. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Go ahead. How do we become aware? How do we become aware? Um, how much time do we spend on technology? Uh, like I said, the average teen spends nine hours a day on technology, entertainment-based technology outside of school. Okay, And many of us estimate low. Many of us estimate our time on screens low because we don't think about work. We don't think about, oh, I'm just going to text that person. And, oh, there was a, and there was a notification. And it might be a minute, it might be two minutes, but when you get 
50 of those notifications a day, that's somewhere between 50 and 100 minutes a day. Okay? So many of us estimate our time on screens low. Um, there's work, there's texting, social networking. Sometimes we just lose track if we get onto a computer. And watching TV and video games. Also, the tech behind the tech. Go ahead. This is designed to get your attention and not let you go. This is designed to get your attention and not let you go. It will beep, squeak, squawk, ring, ding, ping all day until you pick it up and swipe it. Okay? That's what it's made to do. Companies don't make money unless you use their product, okay? Kellogg's wouldn't make any money if nobody bought cereal or whatever else they make, okay? Heinz wouldn't make any money if they didn't sell their ketchup. And they sponsor my favorite football team, Pittsburgh Steelers. Woo! Um, I'm a Steelers fan. Um, Ford, Chevy, John Deere, International, all of those companies are dependent upon you using their products. Phone companies... Software companies are the exact same way, okay? So we have to be aware that we don't need what they're selling, but it can be useful. But, and how many of you have an iPhone? iPhone? Okay. Apple knows exactly how many times you check your phone every day. Believe it or not. They know how many times you pick that phone up and check it. Even if you don't swipe it, it records. Okay? Um, there is a lot of information out there that they can get from you with every swipe, with every touch, and you don't even realize it. Okay? Um, they design their products to keep you coming back. Uh, these companies have got psychologists working for them in order to make the products that go on them, the apps, the games, the uh, tracking, fitness trackers, all of that, the psychologists are working because they understand how people work and they know what will get people to look at that little device. Okay? Now... The problem is, this can even lead to the point of addiction. How many of you have ever heard, oh, I'm addicted to my phone. I wouldn't know what to do without my phone. You ever heard that? I have. The thing is, in China now, there are over 800 internet technology uh, recovery centers in the country. It is recognized as and addiction in China. The World Health Organization just a week and a half ago said gaming addiction, okay, is now something that the world needs to address and acknowledge. So uh, it is almost the first socially acceptable addiction being addicted to your cell phone. And that's kind of scary. There is a phobia. There's arachnophobia when you're afraid of spiders and uh, claustrophobia when you're scared of tight places, right? Well, now there is nomophobia. Nomophobia is the fear of being without your mobile device, and it is now recognized. Okay, I knew this was going to happen. I'm running out of time and have too much information. Okay, the effects of technology on us. Go ahead and hit the next one. It is disrupting communication. Uh, we can share information, but to communicate, we really need to be able to see and feel and touch and be aware of the people that are around us, okay? Uh, neat little thing that, that I learned, I've learned over time, and I forget where I first saw it. Uh, communication involves 7% the words that you use, okay? 30, 
Help me out with the math. 38% is the tone of voice, okay? And 55% is body language, okay? To demonstrate this, I can look at my wife and say, I love you, okay? I said I love you to my wife, okay? I can go, I love you. And I said something completely different. Okay, but if you only see the words, I love you, you're only getting 7% of the message because you never hear the tone of voice, you don't see the body language that I used. Okay, and so it's disrupting some of that communication. What do they mean by that text? How many of you have ever received a text and said, what did they mean by that? Are they angry? Are they happy? Are they what? Boy, I've had many of those. Uh, but now we have emojis, so we can put those in there, and it makes it all clear. No, um, because what's that emoji mean? I have no idea. Um, and also, if we are face-to-face with people, how many of you have had, oh, I, I got a text, and you're talking, and they're responding to a text, or they're talking, you're talking, and all of a sudden their phone rings, oh, I've got to take this. It disrupts our communication face-to-face also. Uh, it disrupts, what is the next one? It's disrupting relationships, okay? The first one is the parent-child re- relationship, okay? How many times have you, I watch people all the time now, okay? And I have seen so many, oh, that's all right. Um, I have seen so many People on their phones, kids in the cars, okay? Parents are driving along, kids are like this, okay? Uh, walking through a store, kids are on a, an iPad in a stroller, this type of thing, okay? It's disrupting that interaction between the parent and child. Yeah, the parent might be getting a lot done going through the store a whole lot quicker because little Joey is down here like this, but what's it doing to his brain? And what's it doing to his ability to communicate with the parent? What's it doing with his ability to pacify himself without some type of screen in front of him? Okay? Uh, Texting is one of the worst, especially for teens. Average number of texts a month for teens, 3,300. That's over 100 and some odd a day. I didn't do very well in math but over 100 texts a day is the average, okay? Uh, And with emails and uh, internet browsing. And it's not just the kids. Sometimes it's the parents who come home. They've had a long day at work. They sit down in front of the computer. They're looking at this screen, and the kids are going, Mommy, 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 Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And, yeah, I'll be with you in just a minute. And we're staring at our screens, okay? So it's disrupting the parent-child relationship. It's also disrupting the husband-wife relationship. Uh, work, as I said, follows us home. We're sitting at the dinner table. Boom, the phone rings, or you get a text. You've got to respond to the coworker who doesn't know how to change the tire or whatever. Okay, and all of the things that are between parents and children also come in between husbands and wives. Um. What group of people is the largest video game playing group in the United States now? Guess. Somebody throw a guess out. Largest video game playing group in America. Say again. Who? Male or female? 18 to 23-year-old males. The largest video game playing group is 18-year-old females and up. Yeah, that one surprised me too. August of 2014 is when that changed. 36% of all women 18 and up play video games. And it, Candy Crush, uh, all these little games that you switch a little dot and it blows up a line of things and they come down and 
those types of games have hooked many women, okay? Um, and then the other thing that is the most devastating for the husband-wife relationship is pornography. Um, the average age of first exposure to pornography now is nine years old. The average age, nine years old. Um, 77%, there was a, a survey done by, um, oh, it's in the digital cocaine book. Um, I forget the name of the group that did it. Um, 77% of self-proclaimed Christian men ages 18 to 30 years old view pornography monthly, and 36% of them view it daily. These are self-professed Christian men. 77% of men ages 31 to 40 have viewed pornography at work in the last three months. And 64% of them view it monthly. Pornography use is highest in politically and religiously conservative areas of the country, by far. It is more prevalent in the Bible Belt in the South than it is in the Northeast United States. It is more prevalent in the Midwest than it is the West. Okay? It is devastating to a marriage. My wife and I have been married for 24 years this coming August. And 20 years ago, I had to admit to her about my own addiction to pornography. It's not fun, guys. Um, it can tear you apart. And it's something that will not let you go. It lasts and lasts and lasts. An alcoholic is always an alcoholic. It just depends on when they ha took their last drink. It's the same with pornography. It won't let you go. And you have to be aware of it all the time. So if you are struggling with this, Please talk to someone, your pastors, uh, a close friend, and if you want to, you can even talk to me after this tonight. I am wide open. I'll never turn someone away who wants to talk about that. Okay? So, yeah, that one, that one gets me. Uh, we'll press on here. <clears throat> it also comes between God and us. Deuteronomy 5, 7 to 9, my paraphrase. First two commandments of the Bible. No other gods before me, and you don't make idols and bow down to them, right? What have become our idols? We bow to them how many times a day? How many kids, how many adults grab these things and saw a picture just the other day of kids in an art museum. There's this huge painting on the wall. It's beautiful. And all the kids are sitting around this flower planter in the middle of the museum looking at their cell phones, not looking at the art that has some historical value and understanding what it means. Um, Psalm 135 is also very, very interesting to me. Uh, Verses 15 to 17. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. These are the idols of old. Okay, Google. Siri. Alexa, any of you have any of these people in your house? I've heard stories from people. Construction friend of mine said that his son and another guy were talking about Honda generators. And they were wanting to buy one. The next time they opened their phone browser, there were advertisements for Honda generators on his phone. Who's listening? 
Okay? They do respond now. These idols, are you aware that people can turn on your video camera and you not know it? We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Okay? And how many of us now also in the book Alone Together by Sherry Turkle, uh, she talks about robots now that are being used for elderly and elder care in nursing homes, okay? And they're little furry creature-looking things that have a robot brain put into them. And they will literally respond to the touches and the voice and everything of the person to help them not feel alone. How many of us put children in front of a screen or have seen children put in front of a screen to be a babysitter? Okay, because the screen responds to the child. These are our new idols that we are needing to address in this modern world. Um, I believe that these new idols are pulling more and more people away from a strong and close relationship with Jesus Christ. It is impacting our spiritual relationship also. Uh, One of the things... I'm 47 years old. When I was growing up, my sphere of influence, the people that influenced me were my school, my family, my very local community. I grew up on a four-acre farm in Weir's Cave. I had one neighbor that I could walk to and everybody else I had to bike to. Um, And my church. And these were the people that influenced me and how I think and how I would look at the world. Now, with this, we have the entire world influencing us. We can be influenced by people on the other side of the planet. And so it's not a very small, intimate community now when we have access to the internet like this. So, how do we become aware? I'm going to close this off really quick, give you all a chance to ask any questions that you have on this part, okay? Uh, First, keep a usage log. Uh, When I taught this in the Sunday school class, the first week was an introduction to the topic, and I gave people a small piece of paper, and I said, keep track of your hours and how often you are on, on your screens. And they said, do we have to keep track of work? I said, yes, definitely. When they came back the next week, they were like, oh my goodness, I did not know I was on the computer so many hours a day. Many of us estimate low, okay? There are apps and programs that you can actually get on your phone that will track software. Um, We talked about the addictions that are a problem now. Apple is starting with their next software release, a program that allows parents to restrict use on their children's iPhones more easily. They're banking that you as parents won't do that. Okay? Uh, But there are apps and programs that help you keep track of how much time you are on your phone, on your screens, and you can even put them in your uh, Wi-Fi routers at home. Okay? Watch and listen. Start looking around you as you are out in stores, in, in restaurants, shopping, just driving around and notice how many people are glued to that little screen that they carry around in their pocket, okay? And be aware of people, okay? Just be aware of them because there are so many that are just looking for relationship today that they will go here to find it because they're afraid or they've been hurt by the real people around them. So don't be afraid to go up to somebody that might be on the phone and talk to them. When we become Christians, what's one of the first things we have to do to become a Christian? We have to become aware of the sin that is within us and our need for a Savior. We have to look at what we are doing before we realize we need to accept Christ. Okay. Same thing here. If we want to change how we are using technology and find that balance, we need to make 
changes in our technology habits, but we need to be aware of what our technology habits are because these things have invaded, and I'll say it like that, they've invaded our homes and many of us just aren't aware of how deep the roots go. I think the next one is any questions. Here we go. So that's what I've got for right now. Feel free to ask any question that you want, um, but be aware that I may say, hang on for the next presentation because I may be going over some of that information in the next presentation, okay? But are there any questions? Do you all have any questions on what has been presented to this point in the evening? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, uh, YouTube uh, is one of the most notorious for that. Uh, if you look up, um, what was it? I was looking up, I forget what I was looking up. Oh, the World Cup soccer is going on right now. I look up soccer fails, okay? Uh, I, we, living in Italy, we had no choice but to begin to like soccer. Uh, and my boys love soccer because that's what they grew up with. Um, but YouTube, it'll give you the video that you look up, okay? But off to the right, there will be a list of recommended videos, Okay, now one or two of those may be related to what you looked up. Okay, for example, goalie fails, goalies that made mistakes. Okay, there might be two other videos over here related to soccer, but then they start deviating and getting, oh, that looks interesting. Let's look at that. Okay, and that is exactly what they're doing. They're trying to get you to keep clicking because it's those clicks that, and they track every one of those clicks, okay? So if you look at goalie fails and then scroll down the list and see things that are just not associated with soccer at all, don't click on them, okay? If you're looking at the news, um, there are so many things at the end of a news article, whether it be CNN, Fox News, BBC, uh, there are always the, I think on the ones I see, there are at least three little images, okay? Most of them involving an attractive woman, okay? With some type of whatever they're wanting you to look at. And almost every one of those is sponsored advertising, People have bought space at the end of that news article to put an ad to get a click on their website, okay? And just so you know, um, I've heard this from numerous places, including the Harrisonburg Police Department. When you start clicking on those, keep in mind that you're never, ever really but three clicks away from pornographic material on the internet. In general, if you follow the right path, if you start following some of these images that are not all that bad on the news feed, but you go two more levels down and you're going in a path you really don't want to be. Okay, thank you for your question. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, specific numbers, I can't recall right this minute. Um, but one statistic I do know 
is video games are affecting young men much more than they are young women. To the point of, I think in 2016 were the last statistics available, the number of females in college was at 56%, males was 44%. And that's the biggest disparity that there has been in college entry levels in years because more young men are starting to stay at home playing video games and not working, okay? So yes, grade levels are being affected, especially amongst the young men. Uh, Social networking tends to affect young women more. Uh, They will stay up till one, two, three o'clock in the morning texting, responding to images on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and that type of thing. And those who are struggling in school That's one of the main reasons. One more question, if there are any more, and then we'll take about a five-minute break. I'll get a drink of water, and we'll hit the second. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. When I was talking about how I grew up in my community, Weir's Cave, Okay, I had a strong church family. I had uh, the the kids that I went to school with also grew up in strong church families. In the late seventies, early eighties, I think it is somewhere between sixty-five and seventy percent of college or high school seniors attended church regularly. Okay, uh, two to three times a month they would attend a church service. Okay, that number in the current generation has dropped to about, I think, 46%. Okay, so because of the influence, when people get online and they're, they're chatting with people from all over the world in these video games that are interactive with people, uh, the social media, when, when we start looking and seeing, well, this person doesn't believe, and then they start chatting, and even video chatting with complete strangers who do not believe as you do. It starts chipping away at young people's faith because as we grow, when we're young, our faith is not established yet. It's being developed. And more and more now people are having those questions and people are... Adults are talking to young people, young teens online saying, oh, you don't need to believe that uh, or the spaghetti monster in the sky or whatever. They, they have, it, it is a struggle now. You don't want to necessarily overprotect, but at the same time, we as a church, we need to work very hard to establish our children's faith early and continue to reinforce it because they're going to be bombarded by other faiths, no faith, throughout their life. And so it is very important as a church to help shore up that faith of the young people today, even the young lady that's sitting on your lap. So, Okay, if we can take a five-minute break, um, grab a drink, whatever you need to do, get up, stretch, uh, Wake up because haven't been able to keep your attention. Uh, Feel free, and we'll be back in about five minutes.